Have you ever stopped to think that virtually everything we use in our daily lives is based on technology? Even further, do you understand the software behind this technology? Welcome to The Art of Software with Martin Lacey. In today's program, you'll hear how software is created and implemented, why it's written the way it is, and learn from its success stories, proven best practices, and significant failures. Now, here is your host, Martin Lacey. Hi, and welcome to today's show. I'm Martin Lacey, and this is The Art of Software. Uh, Today, we're going to explore the layers of software, uh, commonly known as the software stack. Um, It's used to build modern applications uh, in business as well as gaming uh, and any any other application that's around in the world today. Uh, We'll explore the applications and options and implications of the technology choices you use, the dependencies and hooks that are required between the various layers, the deployment considerations and how cloud computing adoption has changed the playing field uh, from the way it used to be to the way it is today, Uh, the demands of real-time communication and collaboration, uh, which has driven the expanded scope of software deployment to the enterprise management and continuous delivery ecosystem. Today, we're going to uh, uh, talk with Raul Singh. Uh, He's from uh, Puppet, Uh, He originally came from, or not originally, but his background is uh, uh, was working with Amazon uh, in the early days. He was an early engineer, uh, spent nine years with them, and uh, was um, uh, responsible for deploying the foundation platforms and components that power Amazon Web Service today. Raul also designed and implemented the distributed uh, caching infrastructure that powers tens of thousands of machines for Amazon retail web platform. Then in 2013, he founded Destilly, a continuous automation software company backed by Anderson Howowitz. Destilly was then acquired by Puppet in September 2017, where he now is VP of engineering. Welcome, Raul. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Martin. Thanks for having me. It's uh, great to talk to you. Yeah, it's awesome to have you uh, join us. You've got quite the uh, background in in software and software stacks. Yeah, thank you. It's been uh, it's been a long, rewarding career, and I look forward to to doing more over the next few years. Uh, long experience in in cloud computing and building distributed systems and scaling teams. So yeah, really it's a- to be talking with you. Yeah, this is really quite of an interesting time that we're in. Um, let me just sort of back back up a little bit for our listeners and uh, give a, a kind of a rundown of what the software stack is and what we're really going after. Um, in the history, software's been um, well as a, as I've explained in previous shows. Software is a is a layered um, uh, a layered is built in layers. Uh, you have lower layers, which da- deal with database and content, uh, middle tiers, which deal with business rules and functions, uh, upper tiers dealing with presentation, whether they be um, on a desktop or on a web service. And, of course, you know, there's deeper layers down at the, at the operating system level. Um, now, so, so the software stack really refers to any set of applications and a set of applications being multiple programs that work in a specific and defined order towards a common goal. Um, in any group of utilities or routine, routines and applications that work as a set. 
So these can include installable files, software definitions, product patches, and uh, in a lot of cases, I, I also include uh, the operating system as well. Um, what, at what point did you get involved in the software stack? Or when you started getting involved in, in software, uh, what was the stack stacks like that you were started off with? Yeah, so when I started writing writing code or writing software, uh, sort of at a fairly young age, um, I'll be honest that the stacks were were rather fairly simple. You know, I, yes. I started writing software uh, back in the days of MS DOS and Windows three point one. Uh, before we had things like um, you know cloud computing or mobile or things that were familiar with today, a lot of technologies from today didn't exist back then. The stacks were yes. rather simple. There was a handful of operating systems to choose from that ran on very specific architectures, and and the application software choices that you made were limited to a set of very specific languages or technologies that you chose. Um, so there was a lot of MS DOS and C and C plus um, plus back in those days. Yeah, when I when I started it myself, I was uh, I, I guess right at the cusp of. Um, when ARPANET was being moved into uh, what we now have as the internet, uh, so my my background is almost at the pre-stack uh, stage, you know, dealing with Unix, BSD, uh, Unix, and and C. Um, so you know, it, it certainly has evolved a, quite a bit. Then I mean, that was really the simple where where you didn't really even think of stack. Right. Right, the days were a lot simpler. The choices were more limited, and in, and in some some respects, you know, today we are we're facing what's almost a paradox of choice. Um, yes. Back then, I think, and I hark back to those those days uh, where things were a lot simpler, and we we could sort of make technology choices, often constrained by uh, what was available, and it was simpler to make choices and and make progress fast. Oh, absolutely, and of course, you know, with with that, um, with those constraints. Uh, and that what you know perceivably is is a simpler um, set of options when you have less less choices. You know the the complexity of it is uh, is simpler, and the chances for failure are you know also reduced. And now we have at, at each layer so many choices. That's right, and the and the flip side of of, of having that that much simplicity was that. Uh, in fact, we had sort of very less, rather less control on and, and flexibility on, on what we could do and how we could build things. There was a lot of things not possible because of the lack of choices. And so there's, there's almost a flip side of, of, the, of the coin by giving up choices and by um, reducing the complexity of the choices. We also were not able to make the sort of progress that we have been able to make today. So I think that it's an interesting way to think about it because there's really two sides of this coin. Um, I think some of the stuff that we do today uh, would not have been possible without the fact that now we have so much more choice at every layer of the stack. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with, with the um, proliferation of, of options at each layer, um, you know, of course, it, the complexity increases, uh, and yet so does our ability to create tools that uh, validate and verify that complexity and ensure that it's the integrity is there. Um, so, you know, back in the days when we had the, you know, Windows Apache, 
uh, PHP type of stack or myself, I came from, well, I, I came from a Unix and then moved over to the Windows side. So, you know, from WAMP to WIMP to, uh, uh, you know, Wine Stacks. Um, you know, mostly for me, it's been Windows in the past several years. Um, what's it like for you? Uh, you're coming, you're watching all this happen from Amazon's perspective and seeing this whole growth. Uh, what did you think of it at, at, from that, that stage? Yes, I think uh, what we did at Amazon and what, what's, what is still being done at, it, it, at AWS is, has been, I, I believe, radically transformational. It has almost transformed the industry. Yes. Um, it, it's changed how we build software. It's, it's changed how we deploy software. It's changed how we even think about how we sort of run things that are not critical to almost our daily lives. Uh, it's changed how we build companies. Um, and I think that's, all of that is a good thing. It has introduced more flexibility and more power at a lower cost across the entire stack. Um, but stepping back for just a minute from there, right? I mean, the, the important thing here is that as, like you mentioned, there was so many different choices across the stack from, uh, from all the Windows and Unix and Linux stacks. Uh, the number of layers has gone up, but some of the lower layers have become more foundational and solidified. So there may be many more choices, but there's, there's a lot less we tend to think about at the lower layers. And now we're operating at higher layers of the stack, where I think all the really great innovation lies. Yes, yeah, exactly. The lower layers are, are much more stable now, um, and at the same st- same pace, being is quite robust, and allowing the upper layers to become, you know, to expand in new, to new areas, and which is you know what uh, you've been innovating with at at Amazon and, and push, pushing through to Puppet. Yeah, and it's been uh, it's been a really exciting journey, but I still think this is uh, we've got a lot more work ahead of us, and we've got a lot more exciting things that we're going to see over the next several years. Um, and so I think this is still still early days. Oh, very uh, much so. Yeah, this is a this is an exciting transitional time, as you as you point out. Uh, we're going to go quickly to a a, a break here, um, and we'll come back talk with our uh, distinguished guest Raul Singh. Uh, from Puppet and uh, start jumping into choosing your stack and thinking about how your business should uh, view software um, and build your own enterprise. So thanks uh, to Raul. We'll be back in just a moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Private equity firms have over $1 trillion to invest. They are the biggest funding source for growing companies. Why do they reject 98% of deals? How do you get the right deal for your company? Join Kevin Fechtmeyer and his partners on the Deal Team 6 to uncover the next winning deal and avoid the financial landmines. Deal Junkie, Cracking the Private Equity Code, is broadcast live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. How is your business running? It should be running smoothly with nary a hiccup, like a finely tuned machine. But if you're like most businesses, yours may be running nowhere close to that. 
Listen for Operationally Speaking with your host, Sergio Samel. Our program will help you to run your entrepreneurial business easier, better, with less frustration. And by running it well, you're sure to be poised for faster growth. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Art of Software with Martin Lacey. To connect with the show today, you may call into 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1 866 472 5790. If you'd prefer to send an email, you may send it to m.lacy at lacytechnology.com. Now, back to The Art of Software. Good morning, and welcome back to the show. We're talking to Raul Singh of Puppet. He's a VP of engineering there, formerly from uh, Amazon Web Services or Amazon. And he spent an awful lot of time building the, the cutting-edge technology uh, that we're, we're starting to make use of today in software. And it's actually transformational in how we build software, how we're running software uh, so with that in mind, we're going to jump right back into, into talking about the software stack and how, how you choose your stack, what that, what that means. Welcome back, Raul. Thank you, Martin. Very excited to be here. So let's talk about choosing your stack. Now, how, when you talk to customers and they're thinking about building an application and you you discuss various aspects or you've been involved in in technology choices. How do you help them um, talk about the various layers of software and or the technologies used to build software? Yeah, that's so in in my role at Puppet and even sort of prior to that, uh, when I was running my own software company, you know, I talked to a wide variety of customers that you know have a wide variety of requirements. Uh, that drive their business. And so the first sort of question I encourage um, everyone to think about is what is it that you're trying to do as a business? Your technology choices should be driven by your business requirements and not the other way around. You should uh, fundamentally think about what it is you're trying to build and what business goals you're trying to achieve. Um, A lot of technology choices are driven I believe at least the successful ones are driven by starting out by thinking, what is our end goal? Right. If you have your own customers, what is it that you're trying to solve for them? And then working backwards to some extent from that. Um, some fundamental pieces that, that a lot of our customers tend to think about, like we mentioned earlier, the lower layers of the stack are more stable. And they're sort of today a lot fewer choices. And so once you make those choices, that sort of drives a lot of other choices you tend to make on the higher layers. So one of the most fundamental choices are whether you're going to be building something on Windows platforms or, or Linux platforms, whether you're going to be running on-premise or in the cloud, is it going to be a hybrid or a mix? Uh, and some of those choices will then eventually drive some other decisions above the stack or higher up on the stack. And ultimately, it's it's it's, a, it's about the 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 end goal or the product. What 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 problem are you trying to solve? 
And exactly. from there, you know, that, that should drive where, what, what areas of the stack that you need to focus on and, and make your choices from there, correct? Exactly. And just to give you an example, for web applications or software delivered on the Internet, you know, running things in the cloud, running things across the network, um, you know, it, whether you choose Windows or Linux, somewhat made, maybe drivers around cost, um, depending on which cloud platform you pick. But in contrast to that, when doing things with, say, embedded systems or uh, when doing things, maybe you're a car company or you're doing things with hardware, um, the technology choices you'll make in that, in that sort of scenario will be a lot different than what you did with delivering software on the Internet. Uh, mobile is a whole other area. So figuring right. out what how you want to deliver and, and sort of how your customers are going to interact with your software is an important part to understanding and figuring out what stacks you choose. Right, of course. And, you know, mobile is a, is a, is a, is a big one. Um, most yep. of the, or, you know, if it, and it depends on your, what market share, what devices you're even thinking about now. Uh, if you're thinking about uh, uh, Apple-type devices, you're dealing with iOS, um, which is a uh, you know you is an Apple based or Linux based uh, operating system stack. Um, Web based, you could be doing Unix or Windows. Um, e- even mobile, you could be doing Windows, but I, I I hear that they've abandoned that. So that you're absolutely right. In the mobile world, there's 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 sort of the large two main players are the Apple and the Android ecosystems. Yes, um, and if you'll notice like we talked earlier in the program, uh, the choices that we're today making, we're making a lot more choices at the higher end of the stack, almost in the presentation layers. And some of the choices may be hybrid. So in this case, we're deciding whether you want to build for iOS or for Android or for both. Uh, and in some cases, we may decide that the application that we're building needs to be delivered on mobile, but also on the web through a browser. And some of those choices are going to drive what stacks we use because now you have something that customers will consume through um, a desktop or um, sort of browser interface versus on the, mo- on the on a mobile platform. Right, and that that, that would uh, of course drive your technology choices, what tools you decide to build. Um, and w- what about your team? So, say for instance, um, uh, you've got a customer that has uh, staff. Uh, development team that you know of various skills. How, how much do you allow them to drive your technology choices, or is it more of a business-driven decision uh, based on what market you're trying to go after and and uh, mold your team to have those skills? No, that's another great dimension that it's important to think about. Um, from a business point of view, you might make certain technology choices, uh, but there's another facet of a business decision, which is that in order to be successful, you have to staff up, maintain, and run engineering teams to be able to deliver software on those stacks. And so sometimes making a technology choice also needs to take into consideration uh, the culture and the teams that you have in place or the teams that you like to build and grow. Um, In the past, some software used to be written in Fortran and COBOL, and those are popular stacks and choices that we would have made many years ago. Yes. Today, a lot of those choices are not made simply because 
you know, the industry has moved on and, and, and it's, uh, it's more difficult to build teams that are familiar with those tasks, as an example. Yes, yeah, a lot of the older, um, e- even though they're well-established um, platforms, technologies, uh, the, the, they're not au courant. Um, you know, there's there seems to be a, a certain amount of uh, you know, having using the most recent tools and technologies. Whether or not they've proven themselves is uh, not necessarily all that relevant. It seems sometimes. Yeah, and and to your point, this is these are the sort of decisions that make it difficult for our customers um, and for others in the industry. To pick the right software stacks, I think this is what this is the sort of key point that I think we would like to have our customers and sort of have everyone understand that it's there's a lot of decisions that go into picking a software stack, and these are some of the important ones. And it's less about which technology you love for the sake of technology, but rather more about what you can build upon and scale for the long term. Yeah, and uh, yes, exactly. I I totally agree with you and. You know, it, it's it the the complexity I, I I seem to see is not so much in making the individual choices, but making a bet on how long those individual individual choices will live in relationship to the other technology choices you've decided to marry with them. That's correct, and that's exactly the the sort of the point at which. You know, the uncertainty sort of goes up and, and the decisions become a little more difficult because to some extent the industry is changing so fast and it's hard to predict the future and, and technology and stack choices you make today need to take into consideration what the potential changes are um, that you're looking at in the future and how yes, you're going to adapt to them. Yeah, exactly. And that's, well, it's, it's, it's nice to see that the lower level stacks are stabilizing at the very least. <laughs> yes. Yes, we could definitely. We are definitely happy to see that there are some stable choices that the, on the bottom that we can all depend on and sort of, you know, not have to worry about so much. So when uh, so the, the stacks today, um, what the, is is the term stack even relevant now? Um, I think it is relevant, though. I will I will say that the. The meaning of the word has expanded somewhat. There used to be a time when I think stack just meant a few very specific things. Uh, but today, when we talk in the world of software, what a stack is, I think the meaning is expanded to mean more things than just the layers of software. People talk about this, the cloud stack, and they talk about their, their testing stack, and they talk about their application stack, and they talk yes. about all the various layers. And so it's not just the stack that used to be one application and its various pieces, but now it's much larger across your organization. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's that's really um, the crux of it, uh, Rule is is it is not just thinking of it as a siloed single application or a single you know business role of that the application uh, performs. It's a, it's in an enterprise. So you're dealing with multiple applications performing at various levels of of these of the system of the ecosystem, man, helping to run and manage your business. And that's where, again, that that's another dimension 
of um, sort of um, of choice. Um, I know the world has talked in the last, we've talked a lot more in the last several years in the recent past about things like microservices. And to your point, it's uh, no longer the case where one single application uh, will be able to deliver the customer value that you wish to deliver as a business. But in fact, there's multiple pieces of software that organizations tend to build, write, and maintain in order to collectively deliver value for their customers. And that's the key point here. Yes, yeah, exactly. And it's that, that ecosystem of of focused applications, purpose-built applications that work together in a ecosystem of underlying dependent applications and, and software components. So it's a, it's a very nested, complex, and yet or well-organized layering of technology. That's right. There used to be a time when we used to think of software as one small piece of a business. But as we've learned, and I think we're all starting to understand uh, software is everywhere and pervasive. Um, it drives our businesses, and to some extent, every company and every organization needs to start thinking like a software company. And as part of that, the software stack and multiple applications working together is less about one small piece of your business, but more like a well-oiled machine that together works to deliver value for your customers. Exactly, and that, that's the beautiful uh, analogy, the well-oiled machine throughout the whole enterprise delivering value. Now, that is like agile on steroids, moving pervasively throughout the entire organization, adopting the whole methodology of, of software reiteration and continuous improvement. With that note in mind, we're going to take a break. We'll come back and continue our talk with Raul Singh of Puppet. Uh, we'll talk about stack management and cloud deployment and what it's like to build and work with uh, enterprise software uh, deployment and what, those, what that whole new world is starting to shape up and look like. So thanks for joining us. We'll be back shortly with our special guest, Raul Singh from Puppet. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Higher education faces lots of changes. If you are a student, educator, or in the workforce, you'll want to tune into Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Your host, Dave Goldberg, and his guests will explore the innovations that higher education adopts as it reinvents itself. The world of higher education is constantly changing. Stay on top and stay ahead of the rest. Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Art of Software with Martin Lacey. To connect with the show today, you may call into 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd prefer to send an email, you may send it to m.lacy at lacytechnology.com. Now, back to The Art of Software. Welcome back. We're talking uh, with Raul Singh today from Puppet, and he's had an exciting career uh, developing enterprise management systems, enterprise software, up and down the stack. Very interesting fellow. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation with uh, with the cloud and how things are moving, how, how the software stack is, is uh, being shifted and affected by the cloud. So... The software in the cloud, uh, Raul, uh, you got in, involved in that uh, in the early, early, early days of Amazon Web Services. Um, how have you seen that changing the software stack over time? And, and you know, we're at some very interesting things that are going on these days. Can you elaborate a little bit for us? Yeah, so when I, when I started at Amazon or AWS, was, again, very early days. We were, you know, trying to um, do something very transformational, and I, I don't think we realized how transformational it eventually would be, but we had big goals to begin with. Um, like we mentioned earlier in the program, cloud computing has really transformed the industry. Um, and, and, and the rate of change has actually accelerated. We've always believed software industry moves fast, but now things have gotten even faster in the last several years. So what cloud... The point, what, what cloud infrastructure has allowed us to do is deliver more value faster at lower cost. It's the reason why startups can, can be um, incubated and grown much rapidly than in the past because the cost of entry has gone down drastically. And, and the then, reach is just incredible now as well. I mean, you could have put out a software product uh, that you thought before you might only hit a small group. And uh, you could be global uh, in a heartbeat. That's right. In the past, small startups would have to make large upfront investments in technology, large investments in infrastructure, capital expenditures, in order to even get off the ground. And today, they can start at low cost and scale as their businesses grow. And that's a transformational in the cloud. Yeah, and then that kind of brings us to this um, uh, new concept. I, I guess it was introduced maybe four or five years ago uh, with Docker and containerization, um, packaging up. Now, now, software has always been, not always, 
there's always ha, always has been a deployment need. So you all you've always had the requirement to build software in one place and put it somewhere else. So that's the deployment scenario. Now, when you're dealing with stack and you're doing deployments, you have to worry about all the software and all the dependencies that your software has when you do your deployment. So there, there has evolved over time various bits of software, other applications that have come to be that help you do this deployment. In the early days, there were such things as WISE, WISE deployment, which is just nothing more than a, another software application that manages the installation of your software application and all of its dependencies. So that, that's kind of the background, background backdrop um, of the concept of containerization. Um, and now we have Docker, which embodies that, that the new age, new world of containerization, co- taking all that, all the dependent pieces of your software pie, your stack, and creating it or having it as a, as a deployable piece into the cloud. What's your take on how this is all evolving? Yeah, so one of the, the, the transformations, transformational things about the cloud was that, again, going back to the point of choice, it gave developers, operations teams, enterprises, small startups, a lot more choice on where they could deliver their software, where they could run it, how they could operate it. Um, and as part of that choice, and we all understand that software written by itself is no value. The value is delivered and it's actually deployed um, at a location where it can be consumed by customers. Right. Given that the cloud gave us so many more choices on how and where we deploy it, uh, the industry, from a bottoms-up approach, realized that how we package software uh, was a growing pain. What containers have allowed us to do is define somewhat of a universal packaging format so that we can package up our software in a single unified manner so that we can deploy it and run it in multiple locations in almost exactly the same way. And I say almost exactly because there's still a lot of things that we have to solve, so we're not quite there yet, but containers are one important big step towards ensuring that we can run all of our software in multiple places and give our customers choice on how they consume it. Yeah, so so I I, I gather um, you know the the old days and in the installations uh, they're wrought with failure, and that's that's why they had installation programs uh, that they help manage that and you know do things to the operating system like put in registry keys and deploy configuration settings. Um, things like that, but it, it didn't always work, or a lot of times it failed because of the pre-existing software uh, on the system, uh, whether it be a new ver- newer versions or older versions of particular uh, applications that got in the way uh, of your the stack that you were dependent on when you deployed your software. So Docker, I take it, is it it helps. Bring more of that; those dependencies in into the the package itself, as you as it were. Does that even include the operating system level, or what state is that that containerization at these days? 
that's a really good point. I mean, there's the one thing that containerization has brought us is this, this concept of some level of isolation of your applications and reduction of uh, dependency, I want to say interference with other things on the target system. Right. Uh, in terms of operating system agnosticity, this has been a, quite an important leap forward because uh, rewinding back to several years ago, you could deliver your software as RPM or Debian or Yum packages, or you could deliver for Windows systems as, you know, Windows installers. Right. But that limited you to how you package, limited you to how you could get it running. But with containers today, you can build a container and run that same container on a Linux or a, any flavor of Linux, um, and even on Windows, um, because Docker and containers run on Windows as well. And so to your point, which is, I think, an important point, is that containers really allow um, us to package our software one way but be able to run it in multiple different platforms and across multiple different clouds. Now, I think there's still a lot of work to be done there. I don't think we've quite reached where we want to be with that. Uh, and there's a lot of automation that we are building and need to build um, because containers are only one piece of the larger well-oiled machine that we talked about earlier in the show. Right. Yeah, and that's that's you know the an interesting aspect of it. I think is you know how how far along will they take or will we take containerization? Um, you know, can it include? Uh, now I I keep on coming back to it. Can it include the operating system? But it sounds like it's agnostic to the operating system. It it can handle it. It resolves the dependencies between. Uh, from the application stack to the operating operating system layer is is that am I getting on the right target there? Yeah, you are. I mean, there will always be again as we talk about multiple layers of the stack. Uh, containers run uh, on top of an operating system, but the applications within the containers has a view of the operating system as packaged into the container. So it's quite possible that you may be running your container on a Windows system, but within the container, your application sees uh, maybe either a different version of Windows for Windows container, or maybe it's packaged to run um, uh, on one flavor of Linux inside the container, but running on the actual machine under a different flavor of Linux. So oh, okay. Many different nuanced combinations that we can now achieve thanks to con containerizations. So the containerization helps resolve the uh, uh, the dependencies between the underlying operating system and the application, and, and ensures that there's an integration layer. That's correct. That's exactly right. I think that's very well put. Excellent. Well, that that helps clarify things in my mind as well. Um, now, when we look at a cloud uh, movement of cloud or uh, businesses to the cloud. And what that means to their software is—is is that a, you know, is the containerization choice something that needs to be done up front, or is that something that they can choose later? I think it's important for software teams inside businesses to at least keep in their mind early on what eventual containerization choices they will likely to be make, making in the future. Uh, 
Now, I, I, I don't, I think containers and the packaging format are flexible and powerful enough today that you can delay these decisions. Um, but there are technology choices that you will make earlier on that would, would be, would be helped if informed by some forward looking thinking on what you eventually want to do. Um, right. But then there's also the aspect of automation, right? So like I said earlier, containers are one piece of the well-oiled software machine. It's a packaging format. It's how you deliver your software. But containers by and in of themselves um, are, I think, necessary but not sufficient to get us to where we need to be. I think the key piece here is automation. Right. It's important for businesses to think about automation in a pervasive way um, because today, it's like we mentioned earlier, every company is a software company, software is everywhere. And in order to grow businesses and sort of capture the market faster, it is critical for us to automate a lot of how we build and deliver software. And so automation is, I want to say, an important piece of thinking about your entire software stack. Absolutely, and I think it, it, that's so true today. The automation enables the continuous delivery, and it, when we look at the mindset of the actual development teams where we're now adopting the um, uh, the the uh, ideas of rapid application development and rapid deployment and continuous development, uh, we need that kind of support to be, or that kind of thinking also need to be applied at the rollout, at the deployment side of things, and managing the whole enterprise. So this whole sprint uh, type of methodology, um, where we're producing software rapid iterations, uh, is is key, and we need to keep that going forward. So we'll continue on this conversation with Raul Singh from Puppet as we move towards the enterprise and deploying in scale across the cloud and managing that entire or that or, entire orchestration of components and their various software stacks. So thanks to Raul. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
In this fast-paced, technologically driven world of business, the stress can be crushing. It's exhausting business leaders and burning out good employees. It is not enough to work from the top down. We must now learn to work from the inside out. Listen to Innovative Mindful Solutions with Terry Geller. We will discuss ways to transform roadblocking emotions using mindful-based tools you can incorporate into your business and your life right now. Don't stress. Tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on The Voice America Business Channel. Moving forward can be difficult to do sometimes. There is always something going on. Many times, nobody else knows exactly what you're going through. If you are experiencing pain or loss, even something unexplained that is missing in your life, you'll want to tune into Go For It with host Joe Hausman. Joe and her guests will show you laughter and love. Sometimes you just need something a little positive in your week. Make that spot Thursday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Art of Software with Martin Lacey. To connect with the show today, you may call into 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd prefer to send an email, you may send it to m.lacy at lacytechnology.com. Now, back to The Art of Software. Welcome back to the show. I'm Martin Lacey from Lacey Software. And I'm talking today with Raul Singh from Puppet. Uh, Raul's had quite the extensive experience coming from Amazon Web Services and building his own business, as well as joining Puppet and moving, helping uh, businesses' technology move forward in adopting um, the latest capabilities and deliveries of their software uh, into the cloud. Um, so we're going to talk about more now about uh, how the software stack has has been molded and shifted, and we were talking previous previously to the break uh, about containerization and how software packaging is is a key aspect of delivering it and putting it into the hands of the customers. Um, so Puppet is now playing a, a critical role in that evolution that push out of the ecosystem uh, to create this idea of continuous deployment of agile development moving to agile deployment and keeping the enterprise humming along as a well-oiled integrated machine knowing that ideas can come up from the business be incorporated into a software application and built up and it deployed into their enterprise in a seamless, cohesive, fluid way. Now, that's where I'm thinking we're going. Now, what's your take on this, uh, uh, Raul? Yeah, I think, like we talked earlier in the program, the, the software stacks have, have grown larger. The meaning of the word stack uh, has grown a lot wider. Um, the choices have gone up. We've got containerization and multi-cloud. Uh, and one of the key things is important for businesses and enterprise to understand is that automation is a large part of delivering value fast to customers. And as part of automation, sort of one of the things we fundamentally believe here at Top 8, and I believed 
when I ran my own company, Distelli, prior to the acquisition by Puppet, was the fact that it is critical for software teams to deliver software fast because the, the faster you can iterate and ship sooner, you can capture the market faster. And so a key point of automation is that automation, and we fundamentally believe this at Puppet, is that automation cannot just happen in silos or on one piece of the stack. Automation has to happen across the stack and across the organization. We, we think of it as pervasive automation. automation. And I, think I that's love that idea, critical. pervasive automation. That is a great term. Yeah, and we fundamentally believe that it is important and critical for every company and every enterprise to embrace this concept of pervasive automation and even to some extent start figuring out how they can measure what percentage of their software side of their business is automated. Think about it as percentage automated, uh, which is a good metric to start thinking about because, again, every company has to think like a software company because software is what today drives business value across the spectrum. And so we, we are building products and services, and my team is building many products here at Puppet um, that deliver automation to enterprises across the stack. So, so is Puppet involved in uh, all layers of, of the software uh, evolution? as well as the deployment? So that's exactly right. For, for many years, Puppet has been a market leader in the configuration management, server automation space, in the sort of operational automation space. In the recent acquisition, in the last sort of year, and as we announced at PuppetConf last year, um, and with the acquisition of my company, Distelli, um, Puppet is transformed into a multi-product or a portfolio of products as a company. And now we offer automation products across the entire stack. Um, we have uh, Puppet Open Source and Puppet Enterprise, the commercial offering for our configuration management software. That has been a market leader for many years. Um, today, as part of our pro portfolio of products, we offer automation now at higher levels of the stack with our pipeline series of products, a container registry built for the enterprise, um, and we talked about our discovery, Puppet discovery line of products, which we announced a tech preview of at PuppetCon. And so between transform, transformation from a single product to a multi-product company, we are now giving our customers value and choice across, uh, helping them automate across the entire stack. Do you have a sense for um, when you're looking at a company and trying to help them um, automate all the various aspects of their delivery cycle, delivery ecosystem, and trying to get them a grasp of uh, almost having uh, the concept of real-time uh, development, uh, where an idea goes from concept to de deployment? Uh, as fast as humanly possible with the aid of automation throughout the cycles and all, of course, all the testing scenarios and everything else that goes into play. Um, is that something that uh, are, you're being more involved in? And how, 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 are your, how are your products managing that evolution? Yeah, so as a company, we're, you know, we focus on the customer a lot. Uh, we work with customers to solve Again, like we mentioned earlier in the program, to solve their business 
the, the problems facing their business to increase business value and relevance. And one of the biggest things that we help customers um, sort of achieve and get to is how can we deliver our software faster with higher speed and better quality and on time so we can capture the market faster. And we help our customers do that through better automation. But one key driving principle we believe in is working with customers to ensure that all of our products and services not just work together amongst themselves, but also offer our customers choice across how they want to do things, where they want to deploy to, and what other products and services and technologies they would like to integrate with. So it's less about uh, one monolithic stack that we offer, but more about a portfolio of products and solutions that together work how you would like to run your business, which is, I think, a key, key factor in customers choosing how and what we build at Puppet. Very interesting. So you're, you're really responding to their demands in real time and looking at how, how to evolve with the ecosystem then. That's exactly right. And, and we practice at Puppet a lot of what we preach. We are a very agile, very fast-moving organization. Uh, my teams are uh, very, very quick to deliver, respond to customer uh, needs, um, and to changing trends in the industry. And so we're doing a lot more today uh, to make sure that we can not only keep pace the change in the industry, uh, but also to help drive more automation across the stack, no matter where the needs are. Yeah, I, I, you know, there's a uh, an old adage um, that I, I came to know uh, years and years ago in the software industry, and that's eating your own dog food. And you know, it sounds like. Uh, at Puppet, you're 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 really doing that. You're you're making sure that you're applying the automation to your own business as a practice, and making sure that you have that soundly understood, and helping other organizations pull up their their purse strings and do the same thing. That's exactly right. We use our products on a daily basis, consistently uh, across the organization here at Puppet, and we practice some of the same sort of principles that, that I've talked about, you know, between the culture and how fast we can move and the new things that we're building, and, um, and that's exactly right. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting um, challenge to try and, well, not try, but uh, as you morph and work with a business, your own business, uh, and try and match culture to technology and technology to culture, all to benefit the end result of being better at what you do as a business. Yes, and we are, we're, we're a big enterprise just like a lot of our customers. And, you know, one of the things that we strive for is to make sure that we are agile and moving fast um, and keeping pace with the industry. Sort of one of my important sort of goals and missions or my job is to ensure that our engineering teams here at Puppet are built and engineered in a way to be able to respond to market needs um, so we can build fast-moving teams that scale and keep pace, and then we can deliver automation products and services to help our customers achieve what we fundamentally believe is pervasive automation across their entire business and to Excellent. be able to eventually measure what percentage automated they are. 
Excellent, excellent, Raul. This has been a really fantastic, fantastic and fun conversation uh, today with Raul Singh from Puppet. Uh, learning and talking about software automation and as things go forward into, into tomorrow, um, the continuous delivery of software and the, the changing landscape of how it's evolving and affecting our lives and our culture. It's really mind-blowing. Uh, thank you very much, Roel, for being part of our program today. Uh, please join us next week when we're talking about black hats and white hats. Those are our friends, hackers, uh, the people that involved in looking at code from the attack vector perspective. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Art of Software. Be sure to join your host, Martin Lacey, again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of our program on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.